Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good morning, everybody. Keith Hubbard here, broadcasting live from uh, Pensacola Business Radio here in our Pensacola studio. And I have on the other side of our computer here uh, three wonderful guests today. Uh, who are going to uh, give us a little bit of enlightenment into the world. And so I'm going to let them introduce themselves, uh, starting with uh, you, Tom, please, by all means. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, my name is Tom Jacobs, and I consider myself the impact pilot. And what that really means is that I help uh, small businesses tell their stories in a way that will sell their products and services. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you. Go ahead, Sasha. Good morning, everyone. I work as a business and lifestyle strategist and coach, so I focus in the field of management consulting and self-development. Very cool. And you've got a, a very unique story. Of, uh, I've been uh, reading over all of your uh, background information lately, so welcome and thank you for being here. Thank you. And Lorena. Good morning. My name is Lorena Tomasini, and I'm the owner of MOM, Life and Health Insurance Agency here in Miami, Florida. Um, I'm part of a mother-daughter duo, and uh, I'm an insurance broker uh, representing different companies to help the customers with what their needs are. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being here. How is it in uh, Miami? Nice and warm, I take it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. so, summer year-round here. Yeah, it's getting so Well, I'm in Pensacola, so we're finally starting to get cold here for our uh, our part of the winter. So, um, Well, Tom, yeah. so, so please uh, tell us. How Impact Pilot started. Give us a brief, uh, uh, you know, thirty-second elevator of how you got into this. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I owned a fitness center for nine years, and through that whole process, I learned uh, a lot of deficiencies that I had as a business owner. And uh, when I sold it last year, I decided that I wanted to help other business owners uh, really focus on their sales aspect, and I fell into storytelling as a really impactful way. I love to say that word a lot. Uh, really impactful way of uh, telling their message in a way that creates more sales. So that was uh, kind of the eye opener for me was in when I was running my business that I didn't have those skills and I had to develop them. And now if I would, I love to help other business owners avoid the pain that I had in the first couple of years of owning that business. Yeah. So, uh, so let's talk about that. What, what, what were those pains that, that sort of led you down the road of, um, <laughs> oh my gosh, why am I doing this? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I'd spent 12 years in corporate life and had decided to go into personal training. And, you know, I, I thought I, I could, you know, own a, on my own small business. And the reality stuck, struck in at about month six when I was looking at my bank account and saw that I didn't have enough money to pay payroll and rent, which were both due on the same day on a Friday. And I was sitting there on a Sunday afternoon, just, you know, actually crying at my desk. And I was 40 years old at the time. And, and I had to make the hardest phone call of my life, which was uh, to my dad. And two things that made that very difficult for me. One was that one, I had to ask for money from my dad. And, and two, I had to actually admit that I didn't know something and that, you know, I'd spent so much time negotiating multi-million dollar contracts in corporate life and, and doing all this, but owning a business was so much more difficult. And 
when I called my father and asked him for a loan of $10,000, it was a very humbling experience for me. I don't know if any of other entrepreneurs have gone through very similar things. I'm sure they have. I'm sure they have. Um, it, it teaches you uh, a lot if you are open to learning the lessons, which I definitely was. And so he, he loaned me the money and I put emphasis on the word loan because it came with a 12% interest rate. Nice. Debt uh, charge interest, huh? <laughs> absolutely. And I had to put my house up for collateral too. Nice. Very good. I was like, dad, I'm 40 years old. I don't need uh, any more life lessons. And he's like, well, no, actually you Apparently do. You did. <laughs> and he, he was absolutely right. I didn't need that lesson. And what I learned from that, you know, is that I needed to learn how to sell and sell effectively. So I uh, hired a business coach. I created a sales program for myself and, um, you know, read a lot of books, got a lot of coaching around sales and developed a program where it was more about asking questions and telling stories than beating somebody over the head with bye, bye, bye. And within six months, I had completely turned around my business. Um, I went from 100,000 in gross sales the first year to close to 500,000 the second year of being wow. in business. So, what do you think? What do you think it is uh, as a as an entrepreneur? Because you were saying yourself that you've, you know, you've negotiated contracts before, and in the other jobs that you were doing, you, you were very successful in. What do you think it is about uh, being a business owner that that causes us to? to fail so often. Um, as an entrepreneur, I think we fail a lot, but, but when you're working for somebody else, it doesn't seem to go that way. Right. I, I think there is failure uh, when you're working in a larger corporation or larger structure than for somebody else, but there's a lot of support there for you as well. There's a good safety net. And as an entrepreneur, we're told you can do this. You can do this on your own. You don't need any help. Just figure it out, grind it out. And that's complete BS because we do need help. We don't need to be on an island by ourselves. We actually should be asking for help and surround ourselves with other people that can help us out. And that's what I, I mean, that was exactly what I learned in that, that experience. And that's why, you know, so many entrepreneurs just try to put themselves on an island. And I understand that, but um, now I think we're learning and I'm seeing this more and more uh, that, you know, collaboration is really the key connections and surrounding yourself with really great people. Yeah. So what do you think are the aspects of, of storytelling that are, are so much more successful um, in the way that you are getting people to, uh, you know, bring business to their place? Yeah. So it's, it's all about connecting with your prospect. And that's really what I focus on is how do you create a really good connection with people? Because we live in this really connected. I mean, we all have, you know, computers, iPhones, or, you know, Android devices, <laughs> the smartphones were connected on Facebook. You know, I don't know, like most of my quote unquote friends on Facebook. And I think that gives us all a false sense of connectivity with people. And when we actually crave that human connection with others, it's through the stories that we can share with each other, where we can start to change hearts and minds and convince people that they actually do need our service because we're able to connect with them on a more personal level. They understand why we are in business and they want to do business with us. Very good. So what do you think um, uh, has been your most challenging uh, business that you've worked with as far as the story that's needed to be told? 
Oh, it's it's any business owner actually is uh, is has been fairly challenging to work with because people are afraid to tell some pretty personal stories. Yet it's in those personal stories there are a lot of really good life lessons. So usually most business owners that come to me, they come in and say, oh, I have this, I have this story. Um, and they go through it and I'm like, yeah, it's kind of lame. Um, <laughs> let's dig, dig a little bit deeper, deeper into some pain points. And once we find those emotionally charged stories and we start to dissect them and create the narrative and why that story is important for their product, then there's, there's a little bit of healing that goes on as well, which is kind of cool. Um, so they're part, they're able to then therapist. share that story authentically. You're, you're part therapist then? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and that comes from the personal training days too, I think. Yeah, probably. We're more more therapists than uh, trainers. Um, so, so you know, everybody loves uh, a tragedy because everybody wants to see the hero come out on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So. Yeah. And, but it doesn't always have to be a tragic story uh, that's told. It could be a very uplifting story where there's a lot of really good lessons that were learned. So are you finding that, it, that even with your businesses as, as uh, various as they are, that they all still sort of have that format of of a of a, a good outline story? Yeah. I mean, I, I use the hero's journey as a uh, as a structure, and that's just a commonly known um, or maybe not so known, but uh, it's a common story structure. Uh, any good Hollywood movie is follows that whole hero's journey. And a lot of times you want to show your client as the hero. Uh, when we're doing a founder story, and this would be you know somebody that's uh, started their business and, and or is the business owner telling their why on why they started the business. Uh, we want to put that person as the hero. So the, the owner is the hero. And in doing so, the audience can place themselves in that story as the hero as well. And they're along the ride with you, which is is really very, uh, very cool because now you're, you've connected each other through this common struggle and when you do your learning points and then finally your pitch at the end, uh, people just want to go along with you. It's uh, it's pretty amazing to watch too. Yeah, I can I can imagine that once we as humans find that way to to bind ourselves or, or find the common ground there, um, the emotional attachment becomes greater than it would if it were just a um, uh, an impulse buy or a a, you know, a necessity like a, a laundry detergent or something, but you start putting the emotion in there with it and it becomes a whole different ball game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, you can think about any television commercials that really kind of tug on heartstrings and tell a really good story. You immediately want to buy that product. Very good. Well, so Tom, what, uh, well, first of all, have you, have you ever read the book called Founders Mentality? I have not. Okay, I'll, it's sitting on my desk, and I can't turn right now to see it. But I'll have to. I'll have to. When we get done, I'll tell you who it's by. It's a great book, but it hits a lot on the different mentality that you have as a founder of a business, and sort of where that heart and and soul kind of comes from, and how much more the emotion plays a part in it than if you were to just be sort of the worker bee with it, or even uh, a partner who comes in late in the game. So it's it's a really good read for you. And then oh, very um, cool. one of the questions I like to always ask all my guests is, what book are you reading now? I just uh, finished the book um, uh, "To Sell Is Is Human" um, by uh, last name is Pink, I believe. Uh, "To Sell Is Human," and that is kind of the new way of selling now, and just really um, 
really resonates nicely with me. It's not the pound over the head, close, close, close mm-hmm. type of sales techniques, but it's the, you know, connecting on a more human level. Yeah, which we all need to do a little bit more, I think. So <laughs> Exactly. Very cool. Well, Tom, if, uh, if anybody's interested in finding out some more information, where can we send them to? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I have a free gift. It's how to um, create your own story. So uh, it's an outline. It's kind of what the first piece that I take my clients through and they can go to my website. It is uh, tomjacobs.com slash storybook. And Jacobs is J-A-C-K-O-B-S. So it looks like Jacobs. Great. All right. Well, thanks for being here this morning with us. Hang out a little bit. We'll find out a little bit more about what uh, Sasha does. All right. Thanks. So, Sasha, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thank you for having me. Are you covered in snow in uh, Colorado? Uh, actually, I was visiting Colorado. N- not really. I saw a lot of flurries, but I think they're good. Very good. Very good. So, for uh, for those of us that are, are new to your journey, why don't you uh, tell us what it is that you're doing these days? Sure. I'm the founder of Sasha Talks, SashaTalks.com. It came into my life following a few layoffs coming from corporate. And before the economy went down, it definitely put me under pressure to come up with creative ways of coming up with more consistent income and not relying on people to dictate whether you're going to be able to keep a roof over your head. So I asked myself, what skill or talent do I have that I haven't capitalized upon and it happened to be spirituality and spiritual counseling. I don't use, I don't like to use the word making predictions or, in, but it's more so intuitive counseling, something that I grew up in, but nobody else in my family capitalized upon that. I went out and I started doing spiritual readings. So if you look back about nine years in time, I went on SashaTalks.com. It was strictly an entertainment website because according to the law, the type of spiritual counseling that was being dispensed was entertainment. So people would come to me for love, relationships, career, prosperity, finances. And then a friend of mine said, why not you go on a couple of radio shows, do live appearances, take phone calls, and showcase your ability so they know what you do. And I made one or two appearances, and then I ran with Sasha Talk Spirituality, where I would give about an hour, an hour and a half of my time, and people would call into the show from all of the major markets, and that's how Sasha Talks took off. But one thing that people were not aware of was that I came from a management and business background, and there's a whole nother competing career path where I worked in government contracting, serving commercial clients, doing entrepreneurship, helping people have a business planning. So how could the spiritual counselor also be somebody in management that I ran another uh, entity. And at one point about three, four years ago, I said, when people come to me for spiritual counseling or business development, they still get the same Sasha, but she's projected out there from a different angle. So I came up with the idea of merging Sasha talks where you could come to me for business or you could come to me for spiritual counseling and self-development. And so I'm, I'm, I know for a fact, because um, I also have a spiritual advisor who who works in this realm, um, that that became very successful for you very quickly, I'm sure. And the two go hand in hand, don't they? Yes. And I was left speechless because I didn't think too much about it. And while Sasha Talks took off, I was still working on third-party platforms. 
uh, privately, and it was a consistent form of income. And if you really are true to your, uh, I would say, skill set, you work with honesty and integrity because there are times where I will turn down requests because they are unethical or they go against my values, you can earn a very steady and healthy income. But everybody works differently, and I am very particular that I'm not everyone's cup of tea because just because we have money doesn't mean that I will take you on as a client for business or counseling. You have to have your ethics. And if you know yourself really well, I think it dictates longevity for that entrepreneur or for any business professional. So do you find yourself working more from sort of the emotional connection with your clients than you do the actual just business at hand? Well, for those who come to me for business, I would say that everything that we do to some degree has light and darkness to it. And we have to balance that, that it is healthy to keep the emotions in check because there are times where entrepreneurs come with ideas and it might be a great idea, but they may not be that practical. So somebody has to be there to kind of guide them and make them question, why do you want to go into business? Why do you want to be your own boss? Because a lot of people have those great dreams on a, fri a Friday, and then Monday they go back to work and they find it easier that maybe I'm better off taking orders or being on auto pay. Because entrepreneurship takes a lot of work. I remember when Sasha Talks came out, just to understand the market, uh, I used to stay up at different hours just to track the UK market, the US market, Canada, New Zealand, Australia. And the first four or five months were really rough because I started looking the part. But it's, um, you really have to put in the work to understand why are you doing it. And there are going to be times where you continue refining it. Because I never looked nine years ago that Sasha Talks was going to be what it is today. At that time, it was more of discovering your purpose of a place of pain and knowing that you have to put food on the table. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So walk me through... Um what a typical, uh, 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 you know, with a, a typical meeting with a client and how it kind of goes. Well, if it comes for spiritual counseling, I usually ask them to do the screening of how they found me and what are they looking for? Because people need to know that it takes time to accumulate challenges and you can't just go to one person or pay them for that one time and think you're going to wake up the next day and your challenges are going to be uh, they're just going to be wiped out. So I really need to be convinced that they're coming to me for the right reason, that they are willing to put in the action behind their intent. Because there are, are a lot of people, whether it comes in business or in life, where they have goals, they plan, they plan and plan, and they think that the talking and the planning part is the work. That is just maybe 1% of the whole picture. And people are there for the right reason, not because their spouse sent them to me or because it, something worked out for their girlfriend that they want to seek me out. They have to be there for your, for their sake. It's similar to, and I've done this in my past in terms of coaching, helping people become healthier and lose weight that I tell them you want to do it for yourself. If you're doing it for the wrong reason, chances are you're not going to be able to sustain the results long term. Sure. So uh, do you, do the clients find you or do you actually get to do some marketing and have to get business or, or does it all just sort of find you because that's just the way that world works? 
But the spiritual counseling part, it took off on its own, and I was left speechless. And I was through making those radio appearances, and after two of them, I came up with my own show. And I was surprised that people would rather wait an hour and a half on the show to talk to me rather than pay $20 at that time to get 10 minutes of me at a guaranteed time. And the demand was so high that it spur off two other shows that focus on spirituality. And back to your question, my a lot of my clients come through word of mouth. I don't push it out there other than me going out and uh, refining my skills and interacting with people through panel engagements and conversation that I welcome because I also have to grow. But a lot of it, I would say about 90% of it is through word of mouth or people seek me out because the type of work I do, it entails a lot of mental and physical and emotional investment that I can't, I could spend all the money I want for marketing, but I need the right client. And it's better that people speak me out. And if anyone out there is listening, they might be thinking, okay, how does she offset that risk if she's relying on word of mouth? I have other business projects that complement one another. So it keeps my hands completely full in a good way. So this is a blessing. Right. So um, I'm assuming you had a huge technical learning curve too. Yes, I am constantly uh, developing myself, whether it comes to business and self-development, because when I go out and share experiences with people, I have to put myself out there as well in order to have that human connection. Anyone can read a book. Reading books is great. Uh, I would be a hypocrite because I also happen to write books. But we have to be part of the active part of the formula of living. A lot of people, when they come to me, sometimes they say, well, they're, uh, they're observers. They're seeing other people do things. And I tell them, you have to take that risk. Life is full of risk. You could offset it, but you still have to take that risk. People are, are afraid of making decisions because of failure. And if it weren't for failure, you and I wouldn't be talking here today. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I have uh, failed forward many times in my life. In fact, I'm quite proud of it. Um, but you're right; it is failure that has sort of led me down the road of trying to figure out my own vibe and my own uh, my own path. Um, Tom, I'm sure you've had your fair share of, of failure, as you shared with us of your own, but also watching other businesses. Um, you know, as an entrepreneur, you're going to do it. You're going to fail. You're going to uh, fail often, and hopefully, you fail fast. But um, if you're not prepared for it, it, it'll take its energy and its toll for me. That's for sure. But so, Sasha, sure. is all of your uh, all of your work done remotely, or or do you see people face to face? Both. I would say uh, a lot of my ca- uh, spiritual counseling work is done remotely. For business, there are times where I travel on site, depending on the type of request that they have. But I am a moving target. For example, this year I've done at least three full cross-country trips from east coast to west, west to east. So it's been humbling, but at times it gets a little bit too physically demanding to be on site for a certain company that would like me there. While I could do other work on my time, I I like to keep a balance between remote and in-person. Very cool. Because nowadays we can do video conferencing, we have Skype, we have so many different means of having that connection. But still, I believe human engagement where you could shake hands 
has a lot of meaning. Yeah, but very neat. I mean, way to create a job where you can kind of get to see the world at the same time. Yes, and very humbling because as we grow, you also learn how much we don't know. Right. right. Yeah, I'm reminded every day. <laughs> um, so, Sasha, for anybody else that's interested or uh, wants to get any more information, where can we send them to? Yes, people are welcome to go to SashaTalks.com. Great. And then oh, I want to know what book are you reading right now? I am reading Scaling Up by Vern Harnish. So it focuses on how companies who grow really fast, how they keep up and how they keep refining their operations. And I'm reading it more so to complement the knowledge of another executive that uh, is faced with the challenge of restructuring his organization. Fantastic. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us today. Hang out a little bit. We're going to hear a little bit about uh, what Lorena does. Uh, and and um, by all means, if you're ever in Pensacola, Florida, feel free to stop. Definitely. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, Lorena, good morning. Thank you for being so patient. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing good. And yourself? I'm well. I'm jealous right now because it's cold. It's it's uh, 38 degrees here in Pensacola, which hopefully will be as cold as it gets all winter. But I'm totally jealous right now. <laughs> Over here, I think it's like 83. We're yeah. the opposite. <laughs> so there you go. So, Lorena, tell us about your world. Uh, what is it that you do, and and uh, how did you get there? Sure. So um, I'm the owner of Mom Life and Health Insurance Agency. Um, as I said earlier, I'm part of a mother-daughter duo. duo. And um, I started in the business when I was in, in college. I, I majored in business administration. Um, I have a bachelor's in that and I majored in finance. Um, at the time it was like 2007, 2008. And I thought, oh, you know, maybe I want to be a stockbroker. It always seemed cool out of, for some reason to me. And, um, then I saw the, the stock market crash and I decided, uh, that seems like way too much responsibility uh, yeah. <laughs> on my shoulders. So, so I started doing uh, life insurance, which is my main thing. And um, and then recently, for about the past five years, we, we've been doing a lot of health insurance with uh, all the changes that, that there's been. Um, it's something very positive for, for a lot of people. Um, so, so I do both life insurance and health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the life insurance, we, we do things a little bit differently uh, because we have certain things that are uh, with living benefits, which is... Uh, different than, than the traditional type of policies out there. Sure. And yeah, so that that's a little bit about me. So how did it end up with the uh, mom and daughter? Sure. So when I first started out, I was my mom's um, appointment setter. So <laughs> I would call her clients and, and make appointments and things like that. And um, one day I decided, oh, let, let me go with her to see what it is that, that she does. I actually had no idea what my mom did for so many years. Mm -hmm. I I just thought she sells things, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I went with her one day and and then I'm like, oh, this is so simple. You just talk to people and you you really help out these families with with what they need. Um, And so I decided, okay, I I, I could do that as well. And I I got my license and we just started uh, working together like that. So I think that's very about cool. About 12 years now. Mm-hmm. I think 12 years. Wow. So, you know, most kids yeah. were, were ready to, to leave the, the, the nest and, and go and, and not come back. And, and for you to 
and not only uh, come back with side by side, but then work together. Um, how does the dynamic uh, uh, go between the two of you? Um, I, I take it you were Hispanic. That's yeah, that's correct. My right. my mom is from Cuba. My dad uh, was from Argentina. Okay, but so I, was I know the culture is is very family oriented. So, um, but working together, uh, everybody gets along and all that, huh? Yeah, so far, <laughs> so far it works. You know, like like any uh relationship whether it's work or you know there's always little arguments and things but at the end of the day we we are family and we do try to separate business from personal so that it doesn't overlap you know yeah is that um, even possible though areas. i know we all say that but can we really do it apparently we we've we have been able to do it you know um but we we do take time consciously to to really see where things aren't working and, and try to fix it not just say something and then let, let things, uh, go, you know, we we try to work on that. What, um, what do you think is your, do you find as, as being your biggest challenge with, um, the insurance world of, of, you know, selling it or, or, or even I think translating it for me, I know understanding it is probably my biggest challenge, but what do you find to be the biggest challenge between you and your customers or clients? Uh, definitely them understanding what, what it means to have that financial protection, whether that's uh, through life insurance or, or health insurance, uh, especially with life insurance, it's a little bit harder because a lot of people don't like to think about that. You know, um, when I'm not here, what what's going to happen, you know, but definitely it's, it's a lot of education and that's how I see it. It's not just me trying to sell something. It's about people really understanding the impact that, that this would have on, on that family for for the future. Yeah, it's sort know? of a, those afterthoughts, isn't it? That nobody really thinks about it until you need it, right? And then it's too late. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, uh, are there any uh, areas that are you only serve uh, Miami, or do you, can you go statewide, or how does that work? So my license is for the entire state of Florida, and I try to work a little bit different because I, I have been a, a road warrior. Warrior. Um, when I first started out, you know, driving from here to to wherever the people were. But um, we try to do mostly like 80% of our job remotely because that way we can better serve more people. And like I tell my clients, it's better because you, they can be at the comfort of their own home having coffee or tea while, while we go over this important information, you know. Sure. And a lot of times, you know, you don't want a stranger coming to your house either. And personally, I don't know where whose house I'm visiting, you know, so it's good that we're able to do things remotely and about 20% depending the product, uh, some things they do require us to do face to face. So, uh, for those type of products, we we don't have another choice, but I would say like 80% we do remotely either over the phone or, um, via screen shared type thing. Uh, Definitely for health insurance, which is what, we're really working on right now because it is open enrollment until uh, December 15th mm-hmm. that we do exclusively over the phone because it's so, it's so many people. It, it's impossible with traffic to so, go up and down Miami or go to Orlando or, or anything like that. You yeah. Know? Long, long gone are the days of uh, door to door insurance salesman, isn't it? Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, some people, God bless them. They're, they're still sticking to that, but we, we got to modernize with the times as well. So uh, when you're doing all this this work via phone or screen share and stuff, how are, 
I, I guess, how are you marketing yourselves? Because you're in a pretty, um, not cutthroat, but it's a, it's a very crowded uh, industry. So how are you getting yourself out there in order to um, uh, make more sales? Sure. So I usually work uh, through, through referrals and word of mouth. And then lately I've been trying uh, Facebook advertising to see how that goes. And I've gotten some clients from there. Nothing too consistent, but, um, you know, I, I believe in trying different things Uh, I also I also believe a lot in partnering with other professionals like accountants or or people that do property and casualty so we can refer each other business very cool yeah I guess Mm -hmm. you you do probably talk to all kinds of walks of life don't you oh for sure for sure and and like Tom was saying earlier uh, that sometimes you feel like like a psychologist I think he said Mm -hmm. and definitely in insurance you know people tell us their their life stories sometimes so yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So, um, uh, if if you had to give you know a couple quick pointers for anyone that is actually shopping or in the market for insurance, what is it that we, you know, need to look out for, or what like what do I need to know? Well, it, that depends on on what type of insurance, whether it's life insurance or health insurance. Yeah, let's go with um, health insurance since yeah. it's sort of open enrollment, as you were saying. Sure. So for health insurance, um, with, with the open enrollment, there's a few things. Uh, first, the IRS is giving people tax credits to help them um, pay for their health insurance, right? So it'll help lower the monthly premium. And that's all based on how many people are in the household and the family income. So it's all really based on how you plan to file your taxes, okay? So some things definitely to look at are deductibles and maximum out of pockets. Um, because at the end of the day, health insurance is there to help protect your pocket, right? That if you need to go to the hospital, which is, I always joke, it's, it's the most expensive um, hotel you, you'll stay at overnight, right? So you need to have some type of protection there with, with the health insurance. Um, so definitely understand what's the difference between a deductible, a maximum out of pocket and the co-pays. Um, and then, you know, just ask questions. If you want a certain hospital to be covered, well, does the plan cover that hospital or, or those doctors if, if that's important for people? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and to know it all up front, right? Before you have to start reading. Before you sign up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Well, um, uh, Lorena, for those that might be interested in some more information or getting in touch with you, uh, where can we send them to? Sure. So they can go to my website. Um, it's www.malmins.com or they can reach me on social media at M-A-L-M-I-N-S 22. Um, that, that's good. Okay. Great. Well, listen, we're uh, towards the end of our time here, but I want to thank all three of you for joining me this morning. Um, uh, you guys all do tremendous work, very interesting work. And, um, I love the fact that I'm able to connect uh, virtually like this and be able to share your stories with the the world. So I want to thank all of you for being here. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so you guys hang out on the line. I'm going to get us out of here. Uh, you can find us at Picola Radio X on Twitter. You can find us at Picola BRX on Facebook. Or you can find us on our website at businessradiox.com. Uh, I want to thank again, again, thank you all for being here. And this has been... Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters. Mm